0: Welcome to episode 676 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team. Welcome along to episode six seven six of I am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James oz How you going, mate? I'm very good, Bevan. How are you? Still hearing about the cricket? Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're pre-recording this show, team. So literally in a couple of hours from last week's show. But uh, yes, I am. I, 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 this would be one that will take a long time to get over. Yeah. Yeah. Tell you what.
1: A few palms beat us in the rugby. Oh. <laughs> we're, we're, we're stopping the podcast. Yeah, so all we're over. retiring. Yeah, we're giving it's up. A, we're giving up. And you probably beat us in the bloody America's Cup with your what, what's his name? Ben, uh, ben Ben Ainsley. Ainsley, that's right. With all your Ineos money coming over here. Oh man.
0: Okay, I'm is proudly brought to you by
1: Extreme Endurance,
0: Lactic Buffer,
1: and our patron. And his name is few Jumbo. I'm gonna go <laughs> first. Marion here,
0: <laughs> the creaming the moose. Good luck for the second one.
1: <laughs> James Thunder Down Under. Shins Gill.
0: Yeah. Good luck. Robert Turnbull is Dr. Do Good. There we go. Nice. Uh, John, this week's show we've got uh, news. John's Epic Camp France overview. We've got a scott an interview with a man by the name of?
1: Scotty Taylor on uh, building a brand. So really discussing around social media. So if you're into, into wanting to be a, a bit of a social media influencer or if you're a pro athlete or you just want to get more of a presence, listen up.
0: And we've also got, uh, hopefully we'll get some epic interviews up, depending on how hard John's, John's been working on the camp. And we have a pro of the week and questions and answers at the end. Okay, John, let's talk about races coming up this weekend. We've got Ironman Switzerland happened last weekend, but we don't know the results. So my prediction is?
1: Um, I think... Uh... Cameron Worth has just run like a 2.41 marathon yeah, and he is going to be on fire. And he swam, and he swam 45 minutes. Yeah, unbelievable. He rode six hours, but he still managed to win. Oh, he rode
0: six hours, so he yeah. really did let himself down. He was a disappointment on the bike. Yeah. Uh, coming up this weekend, we've got three big races. We've got Hamburg... Lake Placid, we've got uh, Canada, and then we've got the Outlaw, which has been going for 10 years. So let's look at these races. Hamburg, what's happening, John?
1: Really quickly, uh, we've got one male, one female pro slot, so the winner takes all, eighty thousand dollars US. paying 10 deep. Uh, The number one seed on Torsten's rating is Ivan Tuktikin um, from Russia, he's predicted to win by eight minutes. Of real interest to me is to see how Andreas Raylert goes, he's ranked number four on Torsten's rating, Uh, a bunch of other Kona qualified athletes, uh, so it'll be interesting to see how how hard they slam it, you got Matt Trotman, uh, Will Clark, he's often on race lists and sometimes picks and chooses a little bit, uh, and along with Clement Alonzo McKerner and Rudy Wild, so should be some good racing over there in Hamburg uh, and on the females side of things, uh, again we've got lots of Kona qualified athletes uh, racing, you've got uh, Caroline uh, Karine Abraham is ranked number one on Torsten's ratings, you've also got Caroline Steffen, Susie Cheatham, Sarah Pampiano, Maureen Half, uh, Christian Leopold and Bianca Staura all Kona qualified uh, and still racing Relatively late in the season mm. still so, so, I suppose it's still called July mid, mid-season uh, When's the
0: point where it's a problem?
1: Well, I would have thought August onwards Yeah um, But pros are different if, For an age group It depends how hard you go on the race as well, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, for an age group Man, it takes a while to get over a race But we're kind of fortunate. It's fortunate and unfortunate in New Zealand where you qualify in March, yeah. but then you can do a full campaign build-up, but then you don't have that racing hardness in your legs. So, and also you've got to train through winter. Yeah, swings yeah. and roundabouts. But that should be a fantastic females race. It's The guys race is, is a bit of a lottery, but the, the females, I mean, you've got uh, six six or seven Kona-qualified athletes along with Corinne Abraham. That should be awesome. So go the females. I thought
0: Karine Abraham was retiring. No it, was, no, it must be someone else from last year. Everyone, Kona. There, there was one of the girls who we interviewed who was uh, yeah. Of that I group. think
1: she's she's certainly near the end of her career. I'd say. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, John. Uh, we've got Lake Placer coming up, and this is a men only pro race. And we've got a couple corner qualifiers, so Joe Skipper and Matt Russell. Although Matt Russell has been racing a lot lately, it'll be interesting to see. If but he he he's up. one
1: when you see his name on the start list he generally does turn up.
0: Uh, but Brett McMahon, who hasn't Kona qualified yet, which is interesting, isn't it?
1: No, and his his name has been on a few start lists this uh, this period. period. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see. He's still he's fast, but. Um, seems to be inconsistent these days so So Campbell's you know nice of note there John uh, Sam Long um, so should be good racing again this time of the season kind of hard to know who's going to actually turn up.
0: I mean, uh, Canada now is, is a female-only pro race as well. So they they chop and change these, don't they? They do. So, because last year, Brett McMahon went in Canada, mm-hmm. and now he's going to Lake Placid. And so they basically, each year they chop and change it. Uh, and so who's on the happening in the girls' race?
1: Last time uh, for the race to be held in Whistler, next year it's going back to Penticton. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if they'll still do the... I saw something uh, about... I'm not sure if they've announced the bike course yet or not. I think. No, everyone...
0: but I mean, I wonder if they'll next year, because... Cause because that race is pretty iconic. If they'll make mm. it a, a double pro race again,
1: right? Yes, don't know. Uh, I think a lot of people are wondering whether they'll keep the course because there's one lap, wasn't one, it? one lapper on the bike, uh, which is creates more traffic management challenges. But uh, the athletes used to really like it. it was a good. But maybe because course. the local
0: area was so keen to get the race back, because mm. it would be great. Because that'd be the only one, wouldn't it? Other than Kona.
1: What do you mean? One lap. Oh yes. Uh, pretty much I think so yeah, yeah I think so um, so female side, you've got Angela Neith uh, seeded number one uh, Jen Arndt seeded two and Jodie Robertson number three this is all on the on Torsten's ratings but you've got four Canadians in the top four so I wonder if we can get the Canadian trifecta and Heather Wirtle and Heather Wirtle got a bunch of Canadians there nice work Sue Hughes who's she? Kind of Bevan, qualified. you're you're you like looking into the future to next week's show, or is it this week's show? Oh, she's the pro of the week. She's pro of the week either this week or next week. Oh, there you go. Interesting. Because you've picked up on that.
0: Yeah. Well, well, it's the name of. I don't know. Because you think whoever word we think well, she maybe she be there, but she's,
2: you
1: know,
0: hasn't. So okay, uh, John, we've also got the Outlaw, which tunes ten, and good on to the Outlaws because they came around about ten years ago.
1: I'd say exactly ten <laughs> years ago,
0: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, from day one. All we ever heard about this race was great stuff. And, yeah. you know, in this game, for a non IM branded race... To
1: be selling out.
0: To be selling out, to have a great reputation, to continuously turn up and provide a high-level race, it's a, it's an outlier, isn't it?
1: It is. Good on them, the outlaw. You're outlying there.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love your work. Uh, do we know anything about the pros, is it?
1: I don't, um, No. I don't know if they really... I think they... they a I think they have just a little bit of prize money if you maybe beat the record or you There's some funny... I remember there being some funny criteria that they, they used. Uh, if you're under a certain time, maybe you're in amongst it. Okay. So maybe somebody send us an email on that if Outlaw does have a little bit of prize money because if they do, I want to give them a bit of love.
0: Okay, so you're in France right now and you started your camp yesterday and from what I recall, your Monday was a really big ride day.
1: Yeah, that's because you were listening, right, Bevan. See, John...
0: <laughs> yes, I was listening, unlike you. So, um, so tell us what you're doing on this camp.
1: So firstly, if you want to follow... Um, Um, What we're up to, I'll be. uh, I'm planning on putting my blog onto the Epic Camp Facebook page, so that will have all the files, some images up there as well. But in terms of um, GPS files, etc., you'll be able to see exactly what we're doing. Uh, I'll also be have uh, my bike files go. Actually, everything will go onto Strava as well, Uh, and I'll be putting some uh, some nice pictures on Instagram as well. So I'm with the social media, Bevan.
0: Mate, Uh, you are so cool with the kids.
1: And uh, you can find on on Instagram, I'm Newsom John. You got to make sure you spell that Newsom right. Uh, so yeah we are on today's Tuesday that the show's coming out so we started on Sunday. Um, what's going to be a little bit different about this camp is I've, I've scheduled, uh, this is a bit of a risky one, a bit more harder running early in the camp Ooh. and so there's going to be some serious strategizing having to having to go on while we're out there. Uh, but Epic Camp is really about taking yourself to the limit both mentally and physically. Most of the people coming onto the camp will be crapping their pants a bit because I have uh, given them the schedule. I often hold that back and don't actually give it to people today one but these days everybody bloody needs it they need the coach to see it etc so i've sort of given them the schedule but not exactly what's in every session but there's a few worried people and rightly so uh, because we're going coast to coast in france along the pyrenees so if you've been watching the tour de france we're actually the next couple of days of the tour de france no last week it was Geez, what week are we in? Last week, when they went up the Col de Tournelle, which is a, a hilltop finish, uh, we're going over that one day. But we're starting in Ritz, which is on the northern coast of France, riding all the way down through the Pyrenees mountains, and we finish uh, on the other coast in the Mediterranean. Um, for those that don't know too much about the camp, uh, it is about going, you know, going hard. Uh, but we have jerseys for the different classifications, so we have a KOM jersey. Big deal do- with KOM is King of the Mountains. Big difference with that this year, every other year it's been whoever's fastest up the mountain gets the points yeah. and uh, and so on. This year though, in trial, this may backfire, but it's <laughs> going to be a percentage of FTP uh, in terms of going oh. up the mountain. So if you're a slower athlete, it doesn't matter because if you're still operating the same relative effort as the faster athletes, you're in with the a shot. That's a way of doing it.
0: Like as much as I think it's also nice to be the fastest guy up. Um prestige person. point.
1: You get prestige points for that still. Yeah, but, but I, I like that. Mm. So yeah. I think it should work okay as long as, long as, as everybody's has right. It got their FTP right, and, th- and that'll become very obvious in the first couple of days. So and what
0: happens if it's zero off and someone's got it wrong?
1: I will adjust it a little bit after after day one. I'll give okay. them one or two days grace, but after that, I'll be um, ruling with an nine. Because
0: It's like handicap races, isn't it?
1: I've got some of those in there as well. Yeah, the problem with
0: <laughs> handicap races is always the person who's way out and then. Yeah you know, they end up winning by country mile yeah. or everyone just cheats a little bit. Yeah. You know, oh, I, I normally sit on four and you're a 345 runner. You know, like it's, yeah. you know, everyone likes to, I get, the so one time I get, there's two times I get angry with my runners. If they don't sit through our traffic management stuff, so if they start running on the road, I'll yell at them because, mm. you know, we, we're a big business with lots of runners. We don't, you know, break the rules. And, the, before we even do a a bloody handicapped start, because everyone's coming up to me, go, oh, can I start with this mm-hmm. person? I'm like, no, get out of my face! Yeah, get out of my face! You're gone here.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so we've got the KOM jersey. We've got uh, this year the red jersey we, that used to be for the sort of the veterans jersey, but um, again, that one's going to be this time around more performance of the day. So if you win a handicap race or something like that, that's going to be our performance of the day. And then we have our yellow jersey, which is uh, for accumulating the most amount of points. So you basically the way you accumulate points is every thirty kilometres you bike, um, you get a point. Uh, every ten kilometres you run or one hour, uh, you get a point. And every three kilometres you swim. You get a point as well so you can just train the house down and try to out train people by literally doing 12 hours a day there is a 12-hour cut off,
0: and you had to do it because there was a guy who went that far wasn't there and
1: seth's coming back on this camp oh really <laughs> so you come in to test your rule uh there's lots of ways you can get bonus points we when he,
0: did, he was like 20 hours a day wasn't he i don't
1: know if he did 20 but he he went pretty long one day he went he went, did quite a bit through the night yeah <laughs> uh <laughs> so there's lots of ways you can get bonus points for example um uh, we have like a 10k run and you have to do that under a certain amount of time and again in the past that was um, pace dependent so you know you had to run under I think it was 50 minutes, 30, it? 38, 38 minutes for 10ks to get 3 points oh, and okay. then it might have been okay. 40 minutes to get 2 points and 30, 42 minutes to get 1 point this time though I've pegged it to people's 10k PB time okay. so again if they fudge this it's going to become pretty obvious so you need to if you do a, go do a 10k within 3 minutes of your PB performance you get 3 points Ooh, that's a hard to thing to do on
0: Epic yeah, <laughs> That's a hard so that's, thing to do. That's
1: putting it out there. Uh, and then and it is a
0: disadvantage to slower people because, you know, three minutes when you run uh, like an hour 10 yes. is way harder than three minutes when you run, you know, 35 yeah, minutes or whatever. Yeah.
1: Yep. So we're just spicing it up a little bit. Got similar challenges in the pool. Like we've got 10 by 200s and you've got some set times for that based off your sort of 400 meter time. Uh, so it should be good times. I'm, I'm really looking forward to different challenges, trying to keep people in the game a lot more and the. the disadvantage for the slightly slower people on the camp is they might might have previously just sort of cruised a day. But now you're in the opportunity to win something every day. Yeah. There's gonna be a bit more pressure. So it's not disadvantage,
0: it's it's the game.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And for me, for example, on day one, when I'll probably be the last starter in our aquathon on day one, uh, how hard do I want to go to try to catch that person at the very, very front, knowing that we, we've got an aquathon in the morning and then we're getting on the bikes and riding 180k's? So there's going to be some really good strategy. It's one of the beauties of, of the epic
0: is that the, the training you do is just next level you'll ever do. Um, The motivation is unbelievable because there's just something about a group Mm. um, and a group of pretty similar ability. Um, But the point system does keep you motivated. And, Mm. you know, and it's really interesting, you know, I like little tweaks you're doing here because it is trying to keep everyone more engaged in it. Mm. Um, But, you know, even when I was on the camp, people just wanted to beat the people in front of them. Mm. You know, like when I was on the camp, I was always kind of one of the fitter guys on the camp at that stage. And so not that I was ever really going for the gold, you know but i got the mountain jersey was the one i wanted um but uh even the guys who were kind of the back they're always just trying to beat that guy in front of them you know and and that's what it's all about isn't it it's just it's it's one thing to do a lot of training and that was the thing i loved about epicamp it wasn't just you did a lot of training we trained hard
1: yeah that's the idea was the initial idea from from gordon scott is like a bit like doing the tour de france there's something hard every day Yeah, and so this time around you know, like, you go-
0: when you, like when you say like I said in the last week show like my biggest training week was 67 hours it wasn't plodding along doing an ultra ultra long bike ride it was Mm. you know 50% of that's probably racing at a hard level Mm. so good
1: stuff so it's going to be good times so when this comes out we'll be a couple of days in uh, and next week we we might have some interviews in today hopefully uh, and then next week we'll have a a bunch more and we'll be wrapping up basically when this finishes next week so it's a 11 day camp and it's going to be good times oh this
0: has got to line up pretty well for our sponsor John because you've got X Endurance I imagine you are popping it back right now you're like a dragon at a party
1: I am indeed, so certainly I promote use of extreme endurance on the camp and I, I use the main extreme endurance product to try to just help me get through day to day, help uh, deal with that muscular soreness, makes a significant difference uh, in that regard. You've got to bounce back day after day and we know that when you do that hard running that's what's going to damage the legs most. Also um, use immune immune boost all the way through the camp. One of the challenges you, you have and I don't think the Tour de France does a great job of, of showing this, just trying to manage yourself uh, when you're doing these big things big long multi-day events is trying to stay healthy Um, and so it's certainly pop the extreme endurance you know trying to eat as healthy as you can during the camp but also having that little bit extra to make sure your levels are as high as possible uh, to try to stay healthy is is critical and Tour de France you know half the challenge with that is staying healthy for week three and that can be a massive determining factor on on, the overall positions. If you haven't seen this great Sky documentary. I mean I've probably talked about it before. About uh, the, the links that they go to s- try to stay healthy. I know their team INEOS now, um, but it makes a massive, massive difference if you can keep healthy. So oh, God, I'll be on the extreme yeah. endurance all the way through the week, and uh, and I know the majority of the athletes on the camp will be as well. So if you want to make sure that you get through your big periods of training uh, and keep yourself in order, or get the boost for your next race coming up, check it out extendoendurance.com. If you are Kiwis and Aussies, you won't be able to get it off me. For the next couple of weeks but uh because i'll be away but i can always forward that on to my uh, assistant and she takes care of the orders
0: belinda uh team uh, we're going to interview coming up with a guy named scott taylor or scotty t as he is known he's a bit of a brand builder around social media he's just giving some insight for pros but also you know what age group athletes can do this nowadays oh, there's absolutely. a lot of age group athletes who are actually making money you know because they build a big audience and well, it's
1: so it's the same as, as general influences they're just yeah people at home do you know what's really interesting interesting, when I talk about this in the podcast
0: actually I'll talk about it afterwards here's the interview
1: Okay, guys, um, we have we often bemoan some pro athletes and, and their, their lack of ability to sometimes make themselves uh, marketable. Sometimes that's just what they want to do. And I, I was uh, commenting a few weeks ago, we had a Kiwi athlete, Teresa Adam, who we've had on the show before, and she won Ironman Kins. And uh, she crossed the finish line in a pair of just a plain black uh, trisuit. And I thought, bloody hell, there's a bit of an opportunity there for her to uh, to make, a, make it a bit more as a pro, and maybe she's just not that welcome connected or maybe she doesn't want to be so we've got an expert on today Scott Taylor has uh, been a knowledge manager um, before in terms of the the Royal College of Surgeons he can tell us a bit about that Uh, he's a fantastic photographer and uh, and really involved in sports marketing and, and insight into how athletes can build a brand so welcome along to the show Scott
3: yeah, thanks for having me along. It's great. Yeah. so maybe just
1: give us a bit of a bit of an outline you, you did before we started recording. Just a bit about your background, so people get a feel for um, where you come from.
3: Okay, we'll do. Uh, yeah, so I was a knowledge manager uh, for the Royal College of Surgeons in England uh, for about eight years, um, looking at how surgeons train to be surgeons. Um, so yeah, looking at things holistically, breaking it down, um, working, how, working at how systems work. Um, I. I decided to return home to New Zealand uh, in 2011 um, and came back and uh, set up my business as a photographer, full-time photographer. Um, And I was producing images for my clients and they weren't really using them that well. They were using them to get likes on on Facebook or similar. Um, Whereas to me, there's a real opportunity there for imagery and and content to um, get your followers and your your supporters, to to get them to take action and do what you want them to do, um, not just like your account or like your, um, your page, but actually engage and actually get more um, response out of them. Um, yeah, there's a real opportunity there.
0: And so that's what you see as the real purpose of social media is engagement. So it's not just to kind of see your
3: world, but to be involved in your world. Absolutely, absolutely. I believe that um, we, we've changed, the world has changed, and there is more decisions being made through social media than ever before. Uh, people are reading less newspaper, watching less television, um, and engaging more in social media. And the the rise of uh, people like, um, well, sorry, uh, the, the, the rise of the people, uh, the um, influencers, or the influencer market. Um, and I, I do believe that uh, Athletes have an advantage and they can make themselves into that sort of role, like an influencer role, maybe not on the same scale as, as some of the, the big influencers, but they definitely, um, they do have a following and they can help brands with their what the message they're trying to put across as well.
1: So, so John Hancock, I'm not sure if you know John or not, but he was at um, the Mountain Snail. He was at a talk that you gave to, I think, uh, a bunch of New Zealand junior athletes um, uh, maybe a couple of years ago, and that was sort of the, the genesis for, for us getting you on the show. So I guess those those young athletes are at the start of their career and and might not be that marketable at that stage. But having said that, a lot of the youngsters are pretty good with social media. So I guess my first main question would be, you know, what, what makes a, a pro sort of marketable and, and what, what are your main messages to pros in terms of um, what they need to be doing uh, in order to, to make themselves more marketable?
3: I think it, across the board and all brands now, we're finding that the, uh, the trend is that they really need to show their why, um, whether it be Frontera or you know an athlete um, or you know any, any product or service or, or brand, Really needs to be able to show why they're doing what they do. Mm. Um, what's what's their drive? Um, what are their values? Um, what what do they really want to achieve? Um, and and getting those messages across to to their followers, um, they will or, or to and potential followers, they're going to attract more because if the if those values and those stories match, or someone gets a little bit of something out of one of those stories um, and applies it to their own life.
0: They'll be back for more. When you say that, but, like, you know, for a lot of brands, they spend a lot of time on, you know, what is our why and, you know, mission statements and all this type of this kind of rhetoric behind it all. For a pro athlete, um, how would they go about doing that? You know, because a lot of pro athletes are like, oh, it's like joining. You know, <laughs> you know, they maybe don't explore that deeper side. And, and, and I suppose what would be your advice around finding that?
3: Um, well, pro athletes are um, – I mean, obviously they're, they're, they're full-time as athletes and, and their followers um, aren't potentially going to be other pro athletes, they're going to be, well, potentially some of them will be, but um, a lot of them will be age groupers or mm. other people in different sports, et cetera. So they need to be aware of the message they're putting across. And one of the big things I say to, to anyone that I'm, I'm coaching or working with is they need to look at not so much what they're achieving, but how they're achieving it and um, what they're learning as they go along. So... From any given experience, um, whether it be a training session or a race, I, I ask them to, to, to actually talk about what they learned from the experience and what they'd carry forward to the next um, next race or to another race where they have uh, similar conditions or whether it doesn't have to be a race, it can be a training session. What did they learn out of that? Um, and put that message across to their followers because if one follower can or a few followers can actually take a little bit of that knowledge or and learn from it and apply it to their own journey. They they they'll be telling all their friends, and they will be following. So I guess more
1: so, you know, rather than just putting up a, a picture of um, you smoking along on the bike and, and hope you get lots of likes, it's more a case of, you know, if you end up uh, on the side of the road vomiting in a race or in training, uh, mm. then trying to explain what's going on here and uh, and paint a bit of you know tell a bit of a story.
3: Absolutely, absolutely.
1: Um and, and you're sort of suggesting that they should try to mainly do that in pictures obviously the you know, pictures are a massive passion for you but um yeah is 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 that your main message trying to say do do it in pictures is that the best medium
3: um well pictures tell a story so do, so does video i i think they need to i mean the social social media works with algorithms um and they change. So social media changes on a daily basis or I mean, an hourly basis, really. So they really need to know how to manipulate that. Um, right now, because there's a war between YouTube and Facebook, you know, video gets more um, exposure. Um, so you've, you've got to be really aware of um, what your market needs and also how the system works. Um, and you need to use that to your advantage. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm a big... Fan of um, photos, but I'm I'm working on my um, my ability to take video as well um, and create. uh, It's creating engaging content. It's about looking at how to get responses from your from your followers um, and get them to engage. Um, And uh, yeah, I think that's that's important. It's whether you do that through stills or through film or through the written word. It's it's Mm -hmm. it's it's a combination really. Um, But you need to look at what your market requires
0: and i, and I imagine if a lot of it's just kind of feedback from what what works isn't it you know like i imagine it's kind of trialing uh what my market wants and seeing yes. the kind of response you get and i've got a friend one of our runners from my group years ago came out and said i'm going to be an instagram star and i said okay good on you and then and he did and he's now got like 60 70 000 followers and he's done really well um but he basically just does the same thing over and over again it's quite fascinating he basically puts the same five photos up in the same pattern you know and it's it's he's found his formula and it's working you know in that way and it was but it's just interesting to watch it from the sidelines how simple it is really yes indeed
1: so putting it on the the other side of the fence you know what are sponsors kind of looking for these days you know is is it just they look at somebody and go how many followers have you got etc but what's your sort of what's the vibe you get from i guess more probably more of the onto it sponsors who are um do sort of measure things rather than just helping somebody out so what are they telling you
3: well with sponsors, the the big thing for them is is actually helping to get their message out. Um, so as a, as a, as a brand um, like it, it used to be that as a brand, you just basically, as you alluded to earlier, just putting a a logo on a, on a shirt or something like that, that doesn't really work as that's not as successful as as um, some of the other things they can do uh, or an athlete can potentially do. It's, it's all about value and it's, it has to be looked at as a business relationship um, in terms of, you know, a cost and benefit for that particular sponsor or a particular brand. And more and more the brands are telling us that what they want is they want good content. They want content that can inform, educate, influence their market. They find that if they put a message out there saying, hey, here's my latest shoe, and this is what it does. It doesn't get the buy-in as, that that it would get if it was someone that other people can identify with, mm-hmm. um, or they can, or they are, uh, you know, if it's someone that they support or they they really look at, uh, look up to. Um, and they're giving them that message about that particular shoe. That's much more. It's, it's, it's actually called user-generated content, and it's it's a lot more valuable to the brand than them putting that message out. Um, it's more believable. It's more, you know, it's it, it's much more valuable to them. Well,
0: on that side, what do they need to be careful of? Is as, as like, you know, as as a pro athlete, what do they need to look out for? Because I imagine sometimes brand alignment might be wrong. You know, what are some of the things that you do need to be aware of that you could get wrong, which could have like a backlash?
3: Well, that's that's where I come to my earlier point about having your values and and understanding what your values are, um, and aligning yourself with. Um, brands etc who have the same values because when you do that you make it you're, you're making your job easier and you're actually looking at your followers will have those same values as well so mm. when you have those your followers have the same values as the brands you're supporting they'll also want to be looking at those and you know it, it might be that your shoes that you that your brand that you push don't actually work for the, your followers but you know there's other Aspects of their clothing or other things that you know that that might work for them, and it's it's if if they believe, if if they can find stories about, you know the brands that you you're sponsored by and their why and they associate with those, they will be interested in their products too.
1: So for, for athletes that are listening to this, and, and this also applies to age group athletes that are, that are looking to get sponsors, because um, there's a lot of age group athletes that do better than pros in terms of getting uh, sponsorship deals because they are good influencers, etc. But for right. anybody out there who's sort of at that stage, and, and maybe they have listened to this and going, have started to figure out their values and, and why they do this, how do they sort of, what's the best methods for sort of going about trying to actually start to build their audience?
3: They, I think the first thing they need to do is make sure that they're very strategic. Um, I, I work with quite a few athletes, and, and they've, they find that they're, they're varies from having to, they do actually too much on social media, and others who don't do enough. Um, and it, and that is a choice as well, um, you, you don't necessarily need to be doing a lot of social media if that's not your, if that's not your game and you don't want to be doing it. There's no you know there's no must, but. For me, it's it's about um, what they need to do is they need to be very strategic and they need to schedule out what they're doing um, and make it sustainable at the very bus- busiest of times because mm. if they don't, they're effectively just wasting their time. Social media needs to be consistent um, and you need to be, when you're posting, uh, one of my biggest uh, bugbears is, is actually looking at what you're trying to achieve. What When you're doing this post, um, I, I ask myself the questions, or I, I tell my people I work with to ask themselves the questions, what are you trying to achieve um, and does does it tell your story? Does the post tell your story? Does it enter your story? And also, does it show your values? Um, because if it doesn't, if it's a piece of, for instance, if it's a piece of cake um, and you just do a post of it or a piece of food, um, that doesn't have any value. But if you're telling you know this. This food has this story, and it and it relates to what I do, and it has this nutritional thing. And you know, if it has, if it adds to your story, then it's got value.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, one comment I'm not sure if you made it to me on email or if it was uh, John Hancock was saying you, you kind of feel that you know, whilst the sponsorship money it seems to be a hard time for athletes these days. You know, the prize money is not uh, magnificent, um, and and it's getting. Perceivably, getting harder to get sponsors. But you kind of still think that the, now is a time where it's actually easier for athletes to um, to get potential sponsors. So, so why do you why do you sort of think that, and maybe explain it in a bit more detail?
3: Yeah, sure. I, I, I totally believe that. In terms of, they are looking for great content, um, but you, it does take work, um, and you know you've got to be prepared to put those that, that time in and and treat treat a sponsorship. Sponsorship as a business relationship and you know, it takes your time um, So you have to place a value on that as well um, it, 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 it is easier um, to find sponsors um, Right now because they, they are looking for that content um, They are they do need it um, and because more and more decisions are being made um, through social media um,
0: Just just on a a kind of an individual level, because, you know, what we're talking about here is the the gain you can get in in spreading your philosophy, uh, building some income for yourself, you know, having reach and all the rest of it. But there are a lot of dangers of social media, and and one of it is kind of the addictiveness of it. And uh, most of us know that once we post something, if people start kind of commenting, we, we tend to check in a lot more. So just do you talk to athletes about how to manage, you know, the addictive nature of it in a way that does... Not pull you away from your real focus which is being an athlete
3: yes yes indeed you have to you have you that and that's all about having a schedule um, and making sure you're not doing too much um, I do I do have athletes that I work with who who love posting and love posting a lot um, and I'm, I, I come from the the school of less is more um, and actually making sure you you've got quality and not quantity mm-hmm. um, you say more. like how much like what, what is the right amount well that really depends on what you're trying to achieve okay. um, and it that comes down to actually sitting down and, and working out what is your weekly plan and how does it fit in um, and you know and it has to be it has to be changeable too um, there are going to be times where you've got big things on and and you want to post more but you've got to look at you know things over a, a long period of time there are going to be quite quiet times too where you're not doing things and a lot of athletes who um who come across times where they have injuries etc and they think well I'm not racing so why should I post to me those those where you where you struggle and when you really have difficulties those are the times where you really need to be posting the most because we, we all have we all have struggles in life and we're looking at well, we're looking at athletes, and we're looking at others, and people who who influence us. We're looking at how they get through these situations, because we'll go through them too. And if we can take those that little bit of information, as I said before, you know, that's 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 so valuable. Mm.
1: Mm. just got a bit of a plug for yourself you know in terms of um, what you do and uh, whether or not you are looking to get more athletes on board at the moment or uh, or businesses as well equally if we've got any business owners what just tell us a bit about what you do and um, if you want to give yourself a plug on any any of your channels uh, far away
3: yeah sure um, so I I basically um, I'm very much into the strategy behind social media and, and branding and, and and sponsorship as such um, and I work on a basis where I, I sit down and, and help Map out your plan. Um, I don't. I have a few clients where I do everything for them, but it's it's more of a strategy based um, advice and help and support. Uh, most of my clients I meet once or once a month um, over the internet um, on a phone call, um, and so uh, we just we look at what you've done in the previous month and what you want want to go, what you're doing coming forward. Um, yeah, my social media, I. I I, I don't tend to I use social media myself but I don't use it as much as I should mm-hmm. um, I, I'm too busy doing everyone else's <laughs> yeah. uh, so that, that, that's you're like living like, with
0: a chef aren't you
3: <laughs> yeah indeed but I, I love what I love is, is creating great content um, and actually you know I I started as a photographer and, and got that uh, got the reward out of um, or that gratification out of getting a good photo now for me it's 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 actually about um, putting a plan in place and seeing it through, through, and, and um, seeing the results come out of it. Um, that where, where I get that real satisfaction. So, you know, it's 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 a changing world, um, and it's changing quickly, uh, and it's it's really, really hard for small businesses. So, like if if I was a, 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 a an athlete, if I was an athlete or what like, I start that one again. What, I, what I'm saying to some of the athletes, and, and I, I should mention that I, I work with athletes who are pros, and I work with athletes who are not pros, um, who are age groupers, and I, I do believe that the age groupers do have an advantage because they are more um, people can identify with them better because they have lives, they have mm-hmm. things doing, and triathlon's a it's a it's a sport that takes a lot of time, you know. Um, we effectively three sports, but um, you know it's it's it's. Completely lost my train of thought. Sorry, guys. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, it, it's it's. Um, yeah, no, I was going to go on about something else. And
1: completely... <laughs> well, no, I want to know where people where people can contact you and, and sort of see yeah. what you're up to. So, um, is website the best sort of form to to get in touch with
4: you or where you're at? Yeah,
3: yeah um, website or social media. So my website is uh, www.scott.com and then iet.com mm-hmm. um, and so uh, Scotty photo across all the social media platforms
1: nice now i've seen plenty of your photography around the traps in new zealand you do an awesome job um, and yeah look i'm hopefully we've Given that you uh, listeners who might want to enhance your social media platforms, um, some good tidbits there to go away and do it. So, awesome! Thanks for your time, Scott, and uh, you keep kicking ass with what you're doing, legend.
3: Actually, can I just add something? Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, to my social media, I completely, completely forgot it. Um, yeah. yeah uh, also, there's a few, there's quite a few blogs that I've done on my on my website um, yes. that actually talk about what what I've just talked about, yeah. um, and through LinkedIn as well. So
1: fantastic awesome Scott thanks for your time
3: okay thanks for your time cheers
1: so what do you think It's great you know it's one of the things is if you're a pro athlete you got to try to do well you know you have to but there's the opportunity there if you're in it to make a living and money you've got to pull your finger out of the ass and actually try to build a brand. and should so probably I'm not put up your arse either. Uh, somebody, uh, uh, Adam, um, Adam Big Schnozzle Barsley, is that yep. what you're calling him? Yep. He was saying he, he was at the gym the other day and enjoyed, uh, laughed out loud when we were talking about uh, your fists going up your ass. <laughs> 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 so now, what I was going to say, you know, if you are in the business of being a pro athlete and you actually want to make a living out of it rather than just training and racing, this is serious stuff and it's the way that you've, you've got to go.
0: But you know what's interesting is I was reading something on the internet the other day saying Of kind of famous people who makes the most money Yes uh, And it kind of like it was something like s- s- movie stars were like fourth or fifth mm-hmm. Sports stars were like second or third uh, Music doesn't make much money but Taylor Swift makes it a lot of money yes. I think Taylor Swift is the most biggest earner of all mm-hmm. But then Kylie Jenner was number two
1: I saw a picture No, of- No,
0: Kylie Jenner Ka- oh Kardashian, Kardashian yeah, one, yeah, one of the Kardashian girls, which maybe it's Kylie Jenner, um, and she she basically makes the same as as um, as Taylor Swift, not pretty much on par. Right. Now she's got a TV show, so she's got some influence, but yeah. but it's basically just through influencing.
1: I saw, I think it was one of those Kardashians doing a really interesting. Inf- I don't know if it was an influencer photo, but somebody posted. Um, if you think you're stupid, um, just take a look at this picture. And it was one of them playing poker but wearing mirrored glasses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: You know what? You can give them a hard time, but they are—they are, they are apparently are brilliant business people. Oh yeah. You know, like they have the influence they have on our young society is unbelievable. Yeah. And uh, like, she—did she, you watch that documentary on Netflix, um, *Fire Festival*? No. Oh, it's a, basically it's a great documentary about this music festival. It goes totally disastrous, um, but they paid us something like a million dollars for a tweet mm. or for an Instagram post or something. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? Wow.
1: Yeah. Righty ho, we might have we have a pause. We have a pause right now. Uh, maybe m- pause. A maybe pause. It might be some epic camp interviews. Otherwise, we might go straight into Pro of the Week. Okay, here we go. Righty ho, we're going to do some uh, epic camp interviews. Uh, what I'm hoping to do on this camp is to do some pre-camp interviews and then some post-camp interviews so we can get a good feel for uh, people's expectations beforehand and then the reality afterwards. Some of those will be during the camp, some will be right at the end. Um, so we're starting off with a epic camp veteran from France in 2016. We did France, didn't we? Yep. Uh, you will have heard her name on the show lots before, the grinder, Chrissy McKinlay from Christchurch. She's back for more action. Uh, so... <laughs> Firstly, um, Chrissy, what have you learnt so far this week about travelling?
5: Always take a spare derailleur hanger and do what John, as John advises, (laughs) Um, and don't panic. Come early and then you've got time to sort out all your other issues.
1: So that is, uh, Chrissy might be the first person to ever start epic camp on uh, negative one points for for uh, failure to listen to instructions. But in all seriousness, guys, uh, and we will have a website of the week that Chrissy has found out about uh, when we get back, which is a uh, fairly useful if you do get into any strife. So, Chrissy, you did your first camp, um, and maybe give people a bit of a experience or you no, know, share your experiences of that camp and probably what you learnt from it
5: the most. Okay, so last camp. Um well, I started off, I was sick, I had a cold when I got, so I was a little bit sick to start with, but I made it through. Um, it was really enjoyable. Um, you just push yourself to limits that you just think you can't um, and realise that it's all about just having a good attitude and getting on with it every day. And it just there are times since then when races and just training where I, I go, oh my God, this is hard, and then I th- I always think, Well, it's not as hard as climbing up Mont Ventoux on day one with a chest infection or riding up the Isaran after a a massive day. I think that was day five. Um, And yeah, I also think it's just, it it, it confirms also that our our bodies are designed not to remember pain. Because the whole tenet of that is so that women give birth more than once. Um, And I'd say Epic Camp sort of probably falls into that category.
1: So what, what sort of motivated you to come back a second time around?
5: Well, me and Zarnia and Ian <laughs> decided that we'd definitely go back again, but uh, they piked out this time. Um, oh no, it was just such a fabulous experience, and my idea of a holiday, I mean, the girls at work don't understand this at all, but my perfect idea of a holiday is to just train all day and eat, eat and drink, yeah. and that's what you do you pick camp yeah. <laughs> with a group of like-minded people who also think it's not odd to ride for six or seven hours a day with a swim and a run, so yeah, yeah that's why. Um,
1: now you've got some uh, nutritional strategies. Firstly, fill people in on the, the strategy you've got sitting on the table in front of you right now.
5: Ah, those little Nutella packets that are always at the breakfast buffet. They make a perfect snack for your jersey pocket. Mm-hmm. Just got to make sure that you wipe it off your face afterwards, but very tasty. You don't need gels when there's Nutella like everywhere.
1: And and what are some of your other nutritional strategies, because I think you quite often go sort of low carb, high fat, Um, what have you sort of learnt about that and what are you going to try, you know, in theory, before we start this camp, and we're in France where sometimes our food choices are not the same as what we have back home and we go to some pretty small places, so what's your sort of strategy going to be around um, your sort of daily fueling?
5: Eat a reasonable breakfast, hopefully have some veggies at night. I just like to eat real food when I'm doing these training camps. I, the only time I would have a gel or something kind of sugary is if we're doing a wee race or you just need that extra lift, like some Coke or something to top of a climb. Mm-hmm. But I just try and eat real food. I like salted nuts and I can't remember if it was on camp we had them or at that but they had like you can buy pack, a packets here and it's like a crepe with Nutella on it and a packet. I think Julie had those the last time. And Bananas, basically. I try not to eat too much shitty stuff because you just end up all inflamed and bloated and yeah. But sometimes that goes out the window <laughs> on a big day.
1: Totally agree. Once you start to get a bit tired, and um, I don't know if you've looked through the schedule too much, but is there anything in particular you're really looking forward to, or any any of the, now you sort of know the points, how that sort of works? Um, how, uh, is there anything
5: you're really looking forward to? Uh, I'm looking forward to wearing the pink jersey since I'm the only uh, girl on the camp. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm looking forward to everything be- because I, it's just an experience to ride through all the famous calls. I'm, lo- I'm sort of terrified but also really looking forward to Monday because that's when we do all the big famous calls at like the tourmalade and everything else. Um, but I haven't looked too far ahead because it just freaks me out. So I'm just going to take each day as it comes. I learned that from last time.
1: Uh, and pretty finally, you know, what's your plan post camp? Um, some people come to camp just to do it. Some are using it for preparation. You know, what are you? What are, you know, when you finish at the end of this camp, what are you? And we'll do an interview afterwards. What are you hoping to have achieved? And, and is it a springboard to anything else?
5: Uh, this time it's not. Last time we stayed in Europe and did a bit of racing and things. But this time my my goal was just to do Epic Camp to the, arrive here healthy. Do epic camp to the best of my ability and enjoy it and I haven't even looked beyond haven't even thought beyond it I had quite a long racing season this summer and last epic camp I tried to keep my fitness and I ended up just digging myself a massive hole and which didn't catch up with me till about 12 months later and I don't want that to happen this time so I'll chill for August and then hopefully use that fitness and mental fitness to propel me onto things for spring and summer, but I haven't even thought what they are yet. I'm just going to enjoy this.
1: Excellent. One of the things that we're changing on this camp that you guys will have heard me talk about is everybody's got a chance in being at Yellow. So Chrissy, we're expecting high things because all the climbs and points competitions are a sort of percentage of efforts based on your sort of FTP and times and what have you. So... Look out on our Facebook page for Chrissy, Maybe in Yellow. We've got, to, we've got to block the two big fellas on the camp, uh, Pete and Glenn, from getting in yellow because I don't have a jersey that's going to fit them. <laughs> so uh, we'll see how we go. So uh, any final words or anything else you want to say before the camp? Uh,
5: no, just thanks for letting me come again, John, and all your organisation. And, yeah, I'll catch up again at the end of the camp and see how, how I've gone.
1: <laughs> Fantastic. Awesome. Thanks, Chrissy. Okay Bevan I'm on fire over here at Epic Camp, uh, it's not even day one yet and uh, I'm on to interview number two so you lay laid, laid me down the challenge and I'm uh, achieving it so far. So next guest up uh, is John Duda, he can give us a bit of insight on where he's from and, uh, and then we can carry on asking a few questions. So John just give us a bit of a background, age and where you're from and what you sort of do for a, for a 9 to 5 etc and how long you've
6: been in the game. Um, I am 57 years old, John, and uh, you, you told me that I am the oldest athlete, so I, I have that uh, to go, go for me. Uh, I am from Latrobe, Pennsylvania, in the eastern part of the U.S. Uh, I'm a physician, uh, a radiologist. That's my 9 to 5. Uh, I've been doing triathlon since 2000, um, and uh, yeah, yeah, so that's, uh, that's my story. So, you know, I know you listen, John
1: used to wear one of our fantastic um, old school IM talk uh, race race kits back in, God, that would have been in the, oh, yeah. the back in sort of late 2000s, yeah. I would imagine. Yeah. Um, so you will have heard a lot about the camp, but now you're here, um, what are you sort of, what are, what, are, what are you thinking about the camp in terms of your expectations and, and what's sort of laying in front of
6: you? Well, for me, it's, uh, um, it's. I'm hoping it's going to be a jump start. Uh, the last couple of years uh, uh, I've been sort of injury riddled and sort of trying to find my way again in triathlon so that's that's the main uh, the main purpose for me. Uh, I mean I've been looking for the forward to this for a long time. You had mentioned to the, me about the camp uh, I don't know three years ago you said put this on your radar and I did and uh, so now the time is here so uh, my expectations, you know, if I can uh, get through the camp minimums, I will be uh, thrilled. Mm-hmm. Uh we'll just kind of see how it goes. Uh right now I'm dealing with a little bit of jet lag issues and uh not making any excuses yet, but uh um, yeah, I just want to you know go day by day and kind of see how it goes. Mm-hmm. So that's that's my approach.
1: Um Tell us a little bit about your speed in terms of, so people get a bit of a grasp of, of where you're at, you know, in terms of your swim bike run. Um, so John's a cone he's uh, qualified for Kona before, but sort of run us through, you know, roughly what you do in Ironman and, and your speeds, etc.
6: Yeah, and you know, and that changes as you get older too. Uh, I mean, uh, I've noticed the last couple of years, my uh, uh, even even though I'm training um, like before, my, my fitness is uh, is dropping, but that that goes with age. So my fastest Ironman swim I've uh, done a 59. Uh, Let's see, bike, um, you know, and all courses are different too. Uh, bike, around a 520 to 530, I think, was my quickest. And then my, my marathon time is around a 340, I think, was my quickest. So my, my overall fastest Ironman time was, I don't know, 1030 something, I think. And, you know, that was when I was uh, in my mid to late, or mid 50s, I think. So. Um,
1: And where you from? Have you have you ridden many mountains before? Um, And so, do you kind of have any feel of what sort of effort you can sustain when you're going to be doing these climbs?
6: Yeah, I'm fortunate that I live uh, in a hilly part of the country, uh, and I live at the base of a mountain that I can do hill repeats. Uh, It's like a three mile climb, and I can just keep uh, um, you know I keep I train on that. and we have Skyline Drive that we've uh, I've done a few times with some friends. That's 120 mile. Uh, I think it's maybe a 12,000 foot elevation or um, something. So, yeah. So I um, boy, how fa- uh, how hard can I sustain it? You know, every day is different too. Um, I think. Uh, for me too, is the pacing. Uh, if, if I get the pacing wrong, then I'm going to suffer at the end. Uh, if I get the pacing right, then I'll be, I'll be fine. So, uh, um, yeah. What's, um, what have you given much thought
1: to like a nutritional strategy on how, how are you going to, how are you going to battle this? Cause we, we've, we've just finished, uh, we've been over here for two nights now. We've just been down at the, the buffet breakfast. I've been, uh, I'm restricting myself to one pound of chocolate per breakfast. That's my limit. There's, there's quite a few tasty things looking there, but that's been the limit so far. So, maybe tell us about what you do, sort of race day nutrition when you're doing an Ironman, and whether you've given too much thought uh, to to what you're going to do over here.
6: Yeah, I, I think what I'm going to be doing here is a lot different than race day. Uh, I, I think here um, it's it's going to be uh, you know race day. Um, I, I do a uh, metabolic efficiency type of. Uh, of uh, nutrition so i try to put as little in my gut as i, I can and then uh, I, I use uh... you can uh... for that um, and uh... kind of just what they have on the course um, and uh... gels and things like that to supplement here I, I think uh... i'm gonna be drinking lots of coke uh... you know the m's uh... the m's bars uh... certainly will uh... will come in handy um, I'm probably you know i i think i'm uh, I haven't thought as much about nutrition on the camp. I'm, I'm just going to sort of learn from the, the uh, more seasoned campers, I think, as I go along. And But I think Coke is going to be the drink of the day probably for me. Uh,
1: what is there anything you're particularly worried about? You know, you've, you've sp- probably heard lots of stories from the camps, but is there anything you're particularly worried about?
6: Uh, think, worried about? Uh, not, you know, really. I, um, I, I'm i just going to kind of go with it and see, see what happens. I mean, I, um, every day is different. And I think, you know, with the history of Epicamp, is we're all here together to help each other through. And, um, and, and I think that's, that's going to pull through for me. Um, you, you know, uh, the, some of the client, the roots that you have uh, for us are, are uh, um, they're intimidating. Frankly, I haven't looked at them that much. Yeah, <laughs> I you know I know uh, you know, I, I, know, uh, you know I think is just going to be fantastic. I mean, they're they're riding it today on the tour, uh, and I think for us to do that is just going to be uh, amazing. Uh, Peter from Australia and I went to uh, watch the uh, the time trial in Powell yesterday, and and that was uh, that was amazing uh, to see the tour riders and you all. But uh, but no, uh, it's it, you know. Uh, am I worried about anything? I, I, I guess I am, but i'm'm I'm, I'm trying to keep uh, trying to keep that to a minimum, uh, my worries. And there's nothing uh, that I really can do about it right now. just uh, give it my best effort and you know and, and plot on. so.
1: Um, you might hear from a few athletes saying that they haven't actually inspected the course uh, the, the, the schedule too much and that's based on my advice <laughs> because if you if you go too far ahead and you're looking at day five you kind of just got to stay in the moment and take it day by day it's a bit like doing a triathlon when you're out there on the bike if you start stressing about the run then you, you're not going to be in the moment and focusing on what you can you can do um, and then the other thing if, if you are either thinking about coming on these camps and the, the reason I asked John about what he's worried about um, one thing to be worried about is looking after after your undercarriage and uh and making sure that you lube up every day and uh you try to keep downstairs as dry as possible whenever you're not on the bike and doing everything you can to keep everything clean down there because if that goes south, it's uh not a great deal of fun. Uh any any final things? I mean we'll catch up with you after uh, at some stage during the camp and, and afterwards as well. But anything else uh you want to get out there?
6: No, I just uh you know, a shout out to uh my team, the Wadi Inc. Elite team, um, that uh that I'm on this year, um, I just want to thank my family for letting me come, mm. I mean, it's, a, it's a big deal uh, you know, for me to come out here, so uh, no, I'm looking forward to, uh, uh, to cycling through the mountains of France and the, the countryside and enjoying the whole experience, so, yeah. Uh, we'll look
1: forward to hearing from John later on, he is, uh, he is uh, as you said, he's our oldest athlete, uh, that doesn't mean anything in terms of uh, when we're going up mountains and it's all percentage based stuff, so I'm looking forward to seeing uh, John in yellow at some stage, so thanks for your time,
6: John. Thank you, John, thank you.
1: Okay, we have finished day one of Epic Camp, and one of the cheesy things I keep saying during uh, these camps, I say it's not easy camp, and uh, the opening day today was uh, pretty solid. So we started off, we were in Biarritz, and we started the morning off with an aquathon. Uh, one of the things we have to do on Epic Camp is modify things and adjust to the situations. We turned up at the beach, and there were some serious waves coming in, and we were going to swim around a uh, big rock off the Grand Plage, I think it is, at, um, at Biarritz. And the first thing uh, one of our support crew from Pyrenees Multisport, Ian, said, said, have you seen that sign there? It says, uh, to swim around the rock which means it's illegal to swim around the rock and it was also going to be too dangerous so we kind of had to modify things and we swam up and down a beach. Uh, we still got absolutely pummeled by waves uh, and so we did a couple of laps warm up. We did about, about a k to start with and then uh, raced over a sim- about a similar, similar sort of distance, about a k, came out and then did a 6k run uh, so it was an aquathon handicap start and the Philinator Phil Patterson took it out, yours truly was second and I think big Glenn Olsen I think was in third place, David Locke was fourth and beyond that I can't quite remember. Then we uh, we hooned back to our hotel and then it was time to ride, uh, the distance was 173k's including the and Marie Blanc and I don't know what the original uh elevation was supposed to be, but I think I ended up with over three thousand. What do you end up with ben it was It was a lot it was yeah it was uh significant so i haven 't looked at all my stats yet uh a few of us we we made pretty good progress, so instead of uh just tacking on, we decided to go for for two hundred and only Three of us made it uh, and we made it by the skin of our teeth because we have a 12 hour rule and it means we started at 6.13 in the morning which meant we had to be done by 6.13 at night and we finished, I think I clicked over to 200Ks at about 6.10 or 6.11 at exactly the time when my Garmin went completely flat. Uh, so I was pretty stoked with that to make 200k's. It was extremely difficult. The Col de Marie Blanc is uh, a very, very difficult climb. It's category, which means it's uh, the highest categorised mountain you can get. It's not actually that high. It only goes up about a thousand meters elevation. But and and you're thinking, how can this be a Hawk category when you're you're climbing up this climb and at the bottom part of it is not that steep. It's sort of Ks of average sort of five percent, maybe six here and there, and it was a bit flatter earlier on, and then boom with like f- I'm not sure if it was four or five Ks to go. Every kilometre was averaging either 12 or 13% uh, across each kilometre. So you had pitches well above that, and there was no respite whatsoever. There was no flat stretches to, to regain. And the good old Cube Agree that I brought over here, I was uh, chuckling to myself before we came over, thinking it had a 34, uh, so it's compact cranks, so it had a 34 on the front and it had a 30 on the back. And I was like, I'm not going to use that 30. I had a, only had a 28 last time. That 30 was used over time. Uh, it was extremely steep. I think I got up uh, averaging about 277 watts, which was a bit of a battle. Let the take the foot, took the foot off the accelerator a little bit towards the top because I was uh, worried I was going to nuke myself for the rest of the camp. Uh, Managed to get to the top first, but I don't think that I will be first on the the percentage of uh, FTP. I I have a feeling that uh, George. Uh, Gray might have taken me on that. So, all in all, for me, it was a pretty solid day. My one big concern is my ass is not so good. Uh, we, we were wet all day. It was extremely humid, and uh, that was one of the risks I, I took: was bringing a new bike over here. wasn't quite sure that I knew the bike was going to perform fantastically, uh, but my ass is, is uh, it's going to be a little bit of damage control tomorrow. So, I think it was probably more so the the fact we were just wet all day because it was so humid and. Uh, really reasonably hot in places, Uh, so that is going to be something I'm going to have to manage over the next few days. So all in all, it was a very, very epic day, Uh, 12 hours of, it wasn't 12 hours of training, but it was 12 hours of exercise with breaks and breakfast and lunch and all that sort of stuff, so very solid, ended up, uh, yeah, 200Ks on the bike. Plus uh, racing an Aquathon and racing a KOM, so everybody's pretty KO'd. So first uh, interviewee for day one is uh, we've got Ben here. You can tell us a little f- full details, where you're from, and uh, a little bit about yourself.
2: Yeah, uh, I'm Ben Walton. I live in Dubai. I'm from the UK. Uh, it's my first epic camp, and uh, even after day one, it's pretty epic already. I um, d- d- really enjoyed it. Really tough day. Probably one of the hardest days I've had on a bike. I'm um, probably the first time I've ever walked up some of a climb. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> when did you walk out? Did You walk a bit on the Marie Blanc? Between 2 and 1k. Well, not the whole bit, but I had three uh, walk um, <laughs> breaks, I guess. Really? Yeah, I just couldn't keep pedaling. It was so steep. Um, 12, 13, 14% plus. Uh, never ending, no corners, just a straight line. Uh, brutal. But um, I was really happy, really happy to get up. I'd done the Col de Marie Blanc before, but from the easy side, um, uh, 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 and I was wondering why it was H HC climb but, um, but definitely it definitely is one of the hardest climbs I've ever been up even though it's only about 8 or 9 k's. Yeah. <laughs> Ben's a solid athlete and so when he says he's walk- walking uh, he, he, it's
1: not like Ben's back of the pack or anything like that so, so tell me a little bit like when you when you got up this morning and you knew what we had in store uh, you know racing an aquathon and, uh, and a big bike ride what
2: was your sort of strategy going into the day? Um, I guess the strategy was to take it reasonably easy on the Aquafone, but uh, uh, I, I guess as soon as the gun goes uh, to race, you just want to race. So I was all in pretty much on the swim and the run, uh, trying to run some guys down. I was last out of the water after the handicap, uh, so I had quite a lot of work to do, but I guess I got about half the people. Um, oh, but then getting on the bike, my legs were pretty toasted. Uh, so <laughs> I it was going to be a pretty long day. did 8k extra before uh, we started to get to the 180 um, which was a wise decision because there's no way I would have done it afterwards. Um. So I'll just explain that. So, the, so
1: the today's ride was um, 173 kilometres and you get a one point every 30 kilometres. So if you do 173, uh, you get... 30, 60, 90, 120, 150, you get 5 points but if you do the extra 7 kilometres, which isn't that much, uh, then you get uh, an extra point. So it was a very wise move these fellas did, Uh, they got out there before we started and I was a little bit envious uh, of you and they got out there because uh, chances are you probably wouldn't have done it at the end of the ride.
2: Oh, definitely not, especially as um, I guess where the ride finishes is on like a 10% gradient so it's either ride down and ride back up or carry on riding up the old bisque, um which definitely wouldn't have been an option at this time, I'd still be out there um, and there's no way I would have made the cut-off anyway for that. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, so you know, you, you said what your plan was at the start of the day. Um, <laughs> If it re- Rewind it, you know, 12 hours, would you, would you play your cards any differently?
2: Um, oh, no, um, although it got a bit silly on the bike pretty early on uh, after the first break. Uh, and in hindsight, I probably should have just spun up uh, those climbs rather than gunning it to try and get over first. And that put me in a pretty big hole for the rest of the ride. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> and so, what? Do you, what do you, tomorrow is, is going to be a bit of a queen stage of the the, the, the camp. Um, we're going over a, a load of climbs. It's only 154 kilometres, but it's going to be uh, you know, over four and a half thousand metres of climbing. So, uh, we, tomorrow we have two KOM uh, percentage of FTP KOMs. So that means it's you know it's a fair competition. Whoever puts in the biggest effort is going to be uh, in Pokorots. Uh So strategy. For, you, you don't have to share your strategy with me tomorrow. Um, but what what are you sort of thinking? About today, how you might uh, tomorrow, how you might pan it out.
2: Up, yeah, so t- obviously today was super hard, and tomorrow looks like potentially it's probably going to be harder with almost 5,000 climbing. Um, so if I can get through today, uh, tomorrow in one piece, then I think I'll be able to get through the whole camp. Um, and I guess up, up the, so. The strategy is probably survival tomorrow. Um, try, I guess, on the tourmalade, Try what I can do. See if I can uh, get into good tempo. Uh, right up there, um, and on the non-categorized climbs, just spin up, just spin up, save the energy, keep eating, lower heart rate, um, just to get through the day. It's going to be, it's going to be eight, ten, maybe more hours uh, on the bike tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> um, You've probably heard quite a bit about Epic Camp
1: from the interviews on the podcast and stuff. Is it? I know it's only one day in, but is it kind of what kind of what you
2: expected? It's totally. Uh, um, I was chatting to the guys uh, from Pyrenees Multisport. Um, before the Moray Blanc and they said when they normally do uh, the same ride they stop at the bottom of the Moray Blanc and they sleep the night and they do the Moray Blanc in the morning Uh. Um, so obviously it's already epic Um, so epic camp they put a HC climb uh, on the end of that, and then decide to book a hotel on the top of a mountain, so we still <laughs> had to ride another 5k at 10% or so up to up to the hotel as well, so it's definitely epic, yeah. yeah.
1: We might catch up with you later in the camp, but, you know, um, other than the tourmalay tomorrow, is there anything in particular you're looking forward to giving a crack to?
2: Um, I guess just to try and complete it, like, uh, I remember looking at the schedule last week and was like, wow, if I can get through this, some great training, um, and I think tomorrow is—it's um, uh, one of uh, amazing day. It's like five big, famous Tour de France climbs. Um, It's—I I guess a stage that they probably wouldn't even do in the Tour de France because there's so much climbing. So, um, yeah, it's going to be amazing. I think tomorrow is going to be the best day and the hardest day by a long way. Yeah,
1: yeah. Awesome. Well done today. Day one done and dusted.
2: <laughs> That's great. Thanks, John. Cheers. No worries. <laughs>
1: Okay, star of the day today, George Gray uh, can tell us a little bit about where he's from and a little bit about himself, so you listen to this show, so George tell us where you're from and what you sort of set up as job, family etc so people get a bit of a feel for for where you come from.
4: Okay yeah, I'm from Farnham just outside London in the UK, Uh, I'm a software engineer so uh, work remotely from home, uh, giving me lots of time for training and whatnot. and uh, yeah, long time listener of the show, really happy to be out here on uh, Epic Cam, it's been a long time coming, a long time thinking about this, and yeah, just day one has been a pretty, pretty brutal start to it, but good fun, loving it so far. So
1: what were, what were you thinking this morning, you know, what was your strategy, um, we had an aquathon, um, so first up, what, what was your strategy in the, in the aquathon, and, and did that pan out, you know, your, your pre-race strategy, is that what you actually did?
4: Yeah, I thought I'd try and go fairly easy on the Aquathon and uh, and, and try and stick to you actually, John. See if I could. Uh, <laughs> but I lasted about twenty seconds, I think, on that run. Yeah. But uh, the uh, the handicap worked out pretty well because everyone was quite sp- spread out at the beginning and then it all came together at the end. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I didn't go too hard. Kind of tried to k- save myself, keep a powder dry for today's ride, and then give it a good crack on the the KOM. You were
1: getting pretty feisty there on the bike on uh, on a few occasions, especially on some of the the non categorized climbs. Was it, did you just want to really give yourself a good push today, to see see what it's all about?
4: Yeah, exactly. I think uh, I've got a bit, bit of freshness today because I tapered off last week. So yeah, sort of give it a go while I sort of feel good, and then uh, yeah, today I had some great climbs in and just see see where everything's at. Mm.
1: So we started the um, the Murray Blanc, which was 150k into the ride. So we we're already, you know, pretty smoked. We, we the, the way we panned today's ride out, we did uh, to the first aid station was really cruisy. I just sat on the front. I really wanted to keep the group together, so everybody got a got a draft, and so it was for the stronger riders. It was it was particularly uh, really easy. Um, then we kind of just kicked it off from there, and about six of us sort of rode off and riding pretty solid tempo. Um, if you're sitting in, it wasn't too bad, but when you're on the front, you know, it was it was a reasonable sort of clip and bloody hell the roads over here you, you go at some serious speed for not that much effort compared to New Zealand and the UK it's just ridiculous so George was spending plenty of time on the front um, and then we came to the Marie Blanc, Marie Blanc and uh, what? Tell, tell us about what your strategy was and maybe what your, your numbers are and, and what you plan to do.
4: Yeah so I, I, I plan to give it a really good crack I've not done an FTP test for a while I've been working off about 320 so I wanted to see if I could kind of get reasonably close to that Uh, but bearing in mind we've had a pretty solid warm-up to get there Uh, so I went out pretty hard and uh, well Seth went past me at the beginning and I thought I've got to got to to take him so I gave it a real good crack then and then about hit the 4k sign and uh, started to started to feel it you came back past me and uh, tried to hang on to that wheel but yeah it kind of dwindled off a little bit towards the end but yeah it went pretty well.
1: Yeah, and uh, yeah, you came past me, and um, we were on the flatter stages, and I thought I th- you look like you're going a little bit too hard, and and I, I would, I did have inside knowledge. I have done the climbs before, and I knew it was steep for a long period. I couldn't remember exactly, and I thought we were going to get some respite, but there was there was no respite. So how did how did you manage? You know the the really steep sections. Were you out of your seat? Were you staying seated? And did you have enough gears and what have you?
4: Yeah, I think I got the gearing right. I just like you say, I think uh, didn't really like strategize the uh or take into account they just get steeper and steeper um so yeah i went way too hard in that first first bit mm-hmm. i was kind of out the saddle towards the end and yeah the last 2k were pretty pretty ugly swearing all over the place uh yeah sweating like a pig uh but yeah it's just there's there's nothing in the uk that really you can train on that's like this and even when you're doing your trainer rides it's it's not the same so yeah that's why i'm here though to come and do this stuff so yeah really enjoyed it in hindsight. <laughs> um, one thing that when you're
1: doing these really steep climbs, I actually turned around, because the Marie Blanc, there's quite a few straight sections, and uh, I turned around and I saw you I thought, shit, you're not actually that far behind me. But you are probably quite. were, time-wise, it was probably quite, even though it was maybe only a couple of hundred metres, it was time-wise, it was quite a bit, I think.
4: Oh, definitely, yeah. And those straight bits really mess with your head, I think. Like I much prefer it when you're kind of twisting and turning. It doesn't seem so bad. But when you look up and you see a straight bit, you know it's going to take a while. Yeah.
1: Um, and when you got to the top of the, the Mary Blanc, um, there was uh, I came over first. You you were second, and you were pretty k.o'd. And uh, Seth came over, and he was pretty k.o'd as well. And the three of us wanted to try to get to two hundred k's. You said you you said you were, you said you were, you were you, I don't know if I could make this. And you, but you, by the time we got to the bottom, you seemed to to have your zing back in your legs.
4: Oh well, I think uh, yeah, I think that's where the, the the support crew saved me there. You know, got a bit of Coca Cola and uh, that nice descent the sugar kicked in and i felt all right by the bottom it's the thing with the descents your heart rate comes right back down and yeah you feel good again so yeah i was all right by then uh, could have kept going for a while
1: It was touch and go wasn't it if we were going to make 200 or not
4: yeah it, it was like i came in at 200.4 or something so we, we nailed it yeah we made it by about three minutes or something like that
1: uh just in time uh so you don't need to tell me your strategy for tomorrow um, we, uh, yeah. What, what, are you sort of, what, what are the highlights you're looking forward to for the rest of the camp you know some of the key things you're looking forward to
4: oh yeah just aim, aiming for completion really just uh, yeah one of the things I've been saying to you is like I want to get a bit better at descending so plenty of time to practice that tomorrow uh, and uh, yeah just soak up some of the atmosphere in the sights and uh, see how we go it's been a big day to start so uh, yeah I'm just going to be interested to see how I feel tomorrow morning and make sure I can keep going.
1: And w- when you're going up that really tough climb on the Mont Blanc, what sort of, and, and you're starting to struggle, what what are you trying to do to to keep yourself going? You know, what motivates you to keep turning the pedals over, and what's going through your head?
4: Yeah, just trying to stay in the moment. I mean, the the thing I find I've been doing a you know a lot of, sort of mindfulness uh, work and stuff, and you know, it, it's just a moment. You've only got a it's only another five minutes or another ten minutes. Just just keep the pedals turning. Just keep the keep the power going and and don't overthink it um the beginning of this i was looking at the schedule and you kind of you can overthink all of that if you think about every single day that you're doing but really with this you just need to just get through the next five minutes the next 10 minutes and yeah then you've you're going to feel bad but you're going to feel good again as well.
1: Oh, you had a very good day. I passed George in the aquathon, um, was it the start of the second lap? I think it might have been, I think it was yep. and uh, and I was coming up on you reasonably quickly <laughs> and he put in this big bloody surge and I thought jeez, uh, this could be a bit of bit of a uh, battle here. Um, but we had a set of steps, uh, we did three laps and uh, we had a set of
4: pretty gnarly steps, they were quite tricky weren't they? They were indeed, yeah. I thought I'd give it a crack there because I knew the steps were coming and that was going to kill me. So, uh, yeah, I thought I'd give it a little bit of a surge. And
1: <laughs> oh, well done. You have a fantastic day, first day up, and uh, we look forward to some battles as we go through the camp.
4: Great stuff. Thanks, John.
0: See, so only you listeners know what happens. John, we don't know what happens. Maybe there's some, if they were, well done, John, for doing your work. If they weren't, sharpen up Newsome.
1: Yes. Uh, let's do Pro of the Week. Jesper Vincent. I actually meant to do this a few weeks ago, um, but we had a full show, so I didn't do it. And since then, he's gone on uh, to, he finished, was it second or third in wrote. Uh, I knew he was leading after the swim and he came home with a really, really good run. Uh, So Jesper Stevenson, he is going to Kona this year, courtesy of winning Ironman Barcelona. Uh, Last year he swam 46, rode 4.22 and ran a 2.53 for an 8.05.56, only winning by nine seconds. Wow. So not only did that mean a Kona slot, a guaranteed Kona slot, uh, it also meant $4,000 difference in prize money. So... Almost, not quite, so 500 bucks a second was uh, nice. Franz Roschke from Germany uh, lost out. Uh, but he was coming on strong by the look of the splits, he was running a 246. So maybe yes, but had it all under control. So that's what he, how he, what he did to, to, to get his Kona slot. He has done some awesome things since then. Um, but where am I going here? Uh he, finished, he did finish second in Challenge Road uh, just recently in an 8.02.20. Um, as I said a few weeks ago, the first thing I do is I go look at people's uh, triathlon.org record and, and that often tells us whether they've been in the game for a long time. And in Jesper's case, he's from Sweden, he has not been going for that long. Uh, he's only got a record on there from 2014 where he won the, no he got sixth in the uh, Swedish sprint triathlon national championships, so really still very new to the sport, he did the nationals again the, in 2015, in 2017 he did the European long distance champs, finished in 6th in the elite men, and since then he's gone from strength to strength, and his more recent deta- uh, um, performances, as I said, challenge rope, finished 2nd there. Uh, uh, Mal de Plata, he finished in fourth place there but he would have already had his slot uh, and prior to that he won Ironman Brazil in 2018 uh, and had a bunch of 70.3s before that. So certainly a man that is on the rise, uh, he needs to improve his biking, he, he was first out of the swim by some margin in rote, uh, came home with a fantastic run split as well um, but got a bit uh, dominated on the bikes. So. Could be somebody that might be in the mix uh, in Kona and see if he can hang on in the bike. Mm. So Jesper Svensson's from Sweden. Look out for that name.
0: I like how you're doing this. I like the pro of the week, you know, because one of our jobs is to kind of help expose the pros, um, you know. And,
1: and I like it as well. For, just for my own benefit is when people's names come up, I'm like, what the, who the hell is that? At least I'll have some recall when I see his yeah. name in the future. But he's okay. won a couple of races, so he's going well.
0: Yeah, good stuff. Okay, John, let's get into the patrons. Let's name a few. Name a few
1: patrons I'll do that for you Bevan uh, Roger The Chop Cannon We've got William Spector Moore And Ken The Mighty Red Welsh If you want to become A patron of the show Go
0: to www.iamtalk.me, And you'll see the Patreon or Patreon section just go there click on the donation level you want to do there's gifting based on donation also support the boys and the show so we appreciate all the patrons who already are patrons of the show if you want to get show emailed to your you, odd sponsors John extreme endurance uh, your lactic buffer uh, if you want to get show emailed to you just go to www.imtalk.me down the bottom of the page put your information in and I'll email it to you each week uh, if, uh, if you want to get some coaching coachjohnnewson.com if you want to get my other podcast bevanjamesisles.com and other content you yeah, go to www.imtalk.me Talk podcast at gmail.com. John, your goss.
1: My goss is I'm in France. I'm running through the mountains. I'm happy as Larry, as long as this weather is okay. God. Does it mean, do you look at the weather before you go? Not really, but it should be hot. But then when you're in the mountains, it can change pretty rapidly. Yeah, so, you know, you can get, get cold some, quickly, can't it? You can get cold very, very quickly. But What's sh- the coldest
0: you've ever been training? Uh, I've ridden in frosts around here. No, but I mean like. When you're actually like, oh, I'm getting sick here. Uh,
1: we had a day in Epic Camp France a few weeks, a few years ago. and we We're going through Canada and we were riding. Epic Camp France when you're in Canada. No, it's Epic a long Camp ride. Canada, <laughs> and we we're riding through the Icefields Parkway. We had full winter kit on that day. Yeah. that was pretty cold. And we stopped at this cafe, and the, the support crew sensibly filled up our water containers with hot soup they purchased from oh, the nice. from the from the restaurant. And uh, we were pretty cold that day. I remember pretty one cold.
0: time I did the cop ride on a Tuesday morning.
1: Mm-hmm. Does this all go? It's not the copyright anywhere, It's the world champs right now. Oh, is
0: it really the official?
1: It's a lot of youngsters, and they're pretty fast.
0: And do they do long base still now? Now, you now they're
1: back into it. Yep. Now our roads are all open. Oh, here's yep. the wife, uh, Iron Russ. I've been mean, doing. Train hard. Train smart, yeah. Your car. <laughs>